0: Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe of The Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. through 10 God's holy word therefore as you received Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elements elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who was the head of all rule and authority. Amen. Amen. You may now be seated. I spoke about soteriology, but today's sermon, title is Rooted in Christ, Rooted in Christ. I want you to know that you are all rooted in Christ. Christ Planted you in this world, you are to grow and make much of Him, so you are all rooted in Christ. So, um, immediately, I don't have that much time because I want to be able to get through this. Let's go to the Word. Jose read so wonderfully. Go to um, verse 6. We're going to begin there. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ, so therefore. As you receive Christ of course you know through chapter 1 we explained to you who Jesus was why Jesus is enough Jesus is all things he's the creator he's God he's all things and so we know that this church was struggling with heresy that was coming in people trying to add things to Jesus but of course Paul is letting you know that Jesus is everything he is more than enough Amen. so here when you see this part here it says therefore as you received Christ now I like that because um, we have been born again, we are born again believers, so therefore we know that you have received Christ in your life. You received him, not accepted him. Now some people say, well I've accepted Christ. Have you ever heard someone say, I've accepted Christ? It sounds a little bit more demeaning to me because you probably calculated, thought about it, well I don't know if I want Jesus or not. Sometimes people will even say, well maybe you should just try Jesus in your life and maybe he'll change you so just try Jesus one time I spoke about a song a real beautiful song that's at the end of a, a movie called Kingdom Come how many of you ever heard saw that movie called Kingdom Come I like that movie it's a good movie but at the end of the song at the end of the movie there's a, a Jada Pinkett a lip syncs a song called uh, Try Me uh, by uh, I forgot by one of the Braxton sisters and she's singing it and she says if you just try Jesus it's it's a great song but it's got real bad theology very bad theology because you don't just try Jesus right. Okay, And so when people say, well, I remember this year, this year when I accepted Christ as if, as if you had an opportunity to reject him. But I'll tell you what, to those who know, you received Christ. You received Christ. Christ, you see the grace of God and you receive it. You receive it because this is something you hold sacred. and This is something you know you need and you want and you have. And so he says, therefore, as you received Christ. How many of you have received Christ in this house? Hallelujah. Yeah, come on, shout if you receive Christ here, and I know you receive Christ. So he's speaking to the church as you receive Christ, Jesus. So walk in Him. That's a Jewish term, meaning you got to walk in Him, like walk with God, walk with Yahweh. Are you walking with Jesus, church? Are you walking with Jesus? So he says, so walk in Him, so walking as you receive Christ. So walk in Him. So if you receive Christ and and you are lackadaisical in your faith, if you receive Christ and you're not really uh, moving in your faith, if you have received Christ and you are really um, not understanding the Word of God and you are not following after the ways of God, we're telling you today, go ahead. Remember, this is a new day. God's mercy is a new every day. So you woke up this morning. It's now time to walk with Jesus. It's time to walk with Jesus, church. Okay? Because we need to do this on a daily basis basis. I told you about being filled with the Spirit and told you about how Paul uh, used the, uh, the, the comparison to drinking wine. This is something that we need to do on a daily basis. We need to understand. We need to walk with Him. Walk with Him on a daily basis. Number one on the sermon note, if you have it, it says the church should walk with Christ and be equipped with proper doctrine. Doctrine meaning instructions from the Bible, as we teach you how you are to live your life. You've been instructed by the Bible, how you should live your life, how you overcome so much adversity and crisis in your life through the Bible, through knowing who Christ is, knowing how to apply scripture to your life, knowing what you're supposed to do with your attitude, with your speech, and when you hear things, you are able to deal with what comes because of living with proper doctrine. So therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord walk in him. Then it says here, it says what, how do I walk in him? Why should I walk in him? Because it says you are rooted in him. You are rooted in him. So he uses two points here and he makes a very strong point. He uses an agricultural term and you are rooted in Christ. Um, there was an incident that happened many years back. Not that too long. It wasn't that long ago but uh, many of you guys know a guy named Tiger Woods. Okay? And Tiger Woods had an accident outside his home in Florida where his car had hit a tree. And so people were wondering what happened. What happened to Tiger Woods? Why did his car hit a tree? Well, what had happened was I guess he was having a fight with his wife. His wife found out all the stuff that was happening that he was doing on his phone because he was cheating on his wife. And I guess he took off and got left in a huff and ran into a tree or whatever. And so... Uh, When this came out, he had what was called humanly sorrow and not godly sorrow. Humanly sorrow is when you are caught. When you are caught, and then you got to feel bad about you being caught. But godly sorrow is when you know God is watching, He sees everything that you're doing, and you repent of your sins before you've been exposed. So, yet. Like that, have godly sorrow. How many of you have godly sorrow? You had godly sorrow in your life. I know. I certainly had godly sorrow. I thank God that um, I came, you know, felt that and repented and was convicted of sin. But this gentleman uh, had what was called humanly sorrow, and so he had a press conference. He had to he had to give an account because at the time he was a very very um, he is probably still the most popular golfer in the world. But he had to make a statement to everybody. He had to say, you know, what I I made a mistake. I was doing something I shouldn't have done to my wife and. And so, uh, I'm going to go back to my roots, he said. I'm going to go back to my roots. And they said, well, what is your roots? He said, I'm going back to my roots in um, uh, in the Muslim religion. <laughs> I'm going back to my roots, he had said. And so, um, that was his roots. I think a lot of times people, when we make that statement, we say, I'm going back to my roots. I'm going back to where it all began. And before you need to, you need to understand the scripture, before I go further in the scripture, that In Ephesians chapter 1, I want you guys to bookmark that, to write that down. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. It explains that you all were created by God, of course, before the foundation of the world. He's already planted you in in His life. That you're already rooted in Him. That you belong to Him. He's already called you and chosen you and put your names in the Lamb's book of life. That you belong to God even before you were ever born. You are rooted in Christ. I want you to understand that you are rooted in Jesus. You are rooted in him. You are rooted after you grow and you you grow up, you have this experience, this wonderful experience where God captures your heart, you receive him, and now you are rooted in the soil of Christian truth. Christian truth, the truth of the word of God. You're, you're rooted in the soil. You're planted in that soil and you're growing and you're flourishing and you're flourishing and you're growing and you're growing stronger. So he uses these two strong points. And then he uses an architectural term. So you are rooted in Christ. I want you to say, I am rooted in Christ. Amen. And you are rooted in Christ. Now, I know that you're rooted in Christ. You are in him and you are rooted in him. But then it says you are also built up. You are built up. It says you are walking in Jesus, then you're rooted in Christ, and now you are built up in who? It says what in the scripture? You are built up in what? In him. You are built up in Jesus. You are built up in Christ. He uses that term, and we sang that song today about being on a firm foundation. If you're on a firm foundation, you say you're on a firm foundation, that you are rooted in Christ and you're built up, you're established, you are this rock for Jesus, but if something comes against you and something hits you hard and you crumble, are you really on a firm foundation? You probably are not. You probably have a weak foundation. But you stay strong in the midst of it, and you are on a firm foundation. So I want you also to your sermon notes, and I'm not going to go there because I don't have enough time, but I want you to put down Matthew 7, verse 24 through 28. Jesus talks about being on a firm foundation. Some are built on sandy ground. Many of you have heard that, right? And then some are built upon a rock. And the ones that are built upon the standing ground, when the trials of life come and hit, when the trials of life come and beat you up a little bit, you, you quiver, you fall, you shake, you drop, and then you run. But those that are built upon a rock, you can bring the adversity, you can bring the crisis, you can bring the tribulation, you can talk about me, you can run your mouth and say all kind of crazy things about me, but I'm built upon a rock, I will not move. And especially during this period of time when you know you got work to do. Many of you have been coming to evangelism one-on-one, and you're ready to go out there to tell people about Jesus, and you're going to talk about Jesus. So stop talking about each other, and let's talk about Jesus. That's what we need to do, and we need to remember that, especially during this period of time, because everybody's gearing up to go talk about Jesus. But if you can't talk about Jesus because you're worried about someone saying something about you or running around saying all kind of gossip, it takes your focus off. Jesus. And then you can't work side by side. But you got to know this is what the enemy does. When you are rooted, when you are built up, and you are established in the faith, remember 1 John 2 and 16. Write that one down too. Your enemy has ways of coming against you. 1 John 2 and 16. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. You are rooted in Christ. You are built up this solid rock, and you are established in the faith, meaning you understand Christian truth, you understand doctrine, you understand theology, you, your theology, you, your doctrine is solid, and you say these things. Well, here comes the enemy in his way to attack you. He doesn't know any other way to do it. He just knows how you are. He knows what you do. He knows what you say. He knows what you wear. He knows how things that you what you do with your hands and what you do with your feet. He knows these things. So I'm going to come at you in a way that's perfectly designed for you to stumble. And if you don't know, it's 1 John 2 and 16. I want you to read that scripture. I want you to take the time to read it. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. He comes at you with physical gratification. There's things that you want, things that you desire, things that takes your focus off the things of God because you want this one thing. And because you want this one thing, you try so hard to get it, and it's nothing but the flesh, a part of the world, and the enemy at work against you. You are being pulled away because of physical gratification. And the other part of it is you trying to acquire materialism, a materials thing, a materialistic thing. Thing we try to acquire we try to get these things that are material sometimes we have needs and what we do is in the next couple of weeks we're going to get people we know we're going to meet them at the point of their need but there's a lot of people that just will have wants you want this but you don't need it you want this but you know you can't have it you want this and you want and want and want you're walking around with this spirit of want and you don't even need it and so it pulls you away from the things of god we have to be rooted, we have to be built up, and we have to be established in the faith. Point number two, I just told you it's an agricultural analogy, being rooted in Christ, an architectural analogy, is being built up in him, and being established in the faith, and what? The soil of Christian truth. The Christian life is a life of warfare, a life of warfare. You're always constantly at war and so we are well prepared through the scripture to deal with it let's continue and then it says this if you have those three things you are rooted you are built up and you are established in the faith and as as jose had read as you were taught this is what you were taught because you should know doctrine you should know soteriology how you were saved how you were saved how did you get saved you should know that way you can tell others about christ and it says Abounding in thanksgiving You are always thankful for the things of God You are always thankful to God How many of you are thankful to God today? You may not have no money But are you thankful to God? You may not have no gas in your car But are you thankful to God? You may have a sore throat and may have a runny nose And itchy and watery eyes But are you thankful to God? You better be thankful to God Because you woke up this morning And you're going to eat lunch at 1230 Come on, you should be thankful to God Be thankful to God the battery may be, may be dead. My tires may need um, off the track. What do you call it? There's the, the, just rubber and rubber and rubber. I'm still going to thank God. I'm still going to thank God. And I'm going to tell others about Jesus. And I'm going to tell others about Jesus. I'm always thankful no matter what. I tell you guys over and over again, and we'll tell people over the Internet, that being a pastor is really one of the hardest jobs ever. So when you hear about pastors who are full of anxiety, pastors who are depressed, pastors who can't take it no more, pastors who don't want to deal with the sheep no more, pastors who just want to close down the church and they get frustrated, it's true this is what happens to them. But when you're rooted and you're built up and you're established in the faith and you're always abounding for thanksgiving, I thank God for your problems because i got to deal with them. I thank the Lord because he is good to me. I thank God because he is good to me. You know how he's good to me? You know how he's good to me, church? He gave me a son with autism. And because God has a perfect plan and God has a perfect plan for everything, if I didn't have my son with autism to care for 24 hours a day, to be on my to be on pins and needles with him, I don't know what I would be doing, but God is perfect in everything that he does. Even when you look at a child who has autism or a child who has a special disability, it's not by mistake and it's not by accident because God designed it that way. And so I'm thankful for everything that comes my way. And I'm thankful for the fiery darts, I'm thankful for the gossip, I'm thankful for the backbiting, I'm thankful for all this stuff that comes my way. Because through it all it just shows me that I am established in the faith, that I'm built upon a rock. Are you built upon a rock here this morning church? You are built upon a rock, you're able to stand, you're able to go through it, you are built upon a rock. And here is why we have to talk about that part, because we're going to talk about verse number 8. now it says then see to it that no one takes you captive or kidnap you with philosophy because when you're going through troubles and you're going through trials of, of life that you go through you are to go to your pastor one of the leaders in the church, you are to go to them and to talk to them about your problems. Things that you have may have heard, you go to them and you talk to them. Or you talk to a brother or sister in the church, you go to them. You don't go to secularist people. You don't go to secular worldview. You don't go outside the church to get advice because they're going to give you some human philosophy that contradicts the word of God. And he says, don't be kidnapped by that type of thinking. Don't be kidnapped. That's the Greek version. There, it's a Greek word. be captive, to be kidnapped with vain thoughts and deceitfulness. There it says in verse, um, in sermon point number three. It says, "Do not be kidnapped by human traditions and human philosophies. Instead, remember the simplicity of the gospel. We were saved by grace apart from works." Too many times when we, when we are, when our interaction, our interactions are with people, um, sometimes they're way of speaking is they do it very, very well and they speak very, very well. It causes you to think a little bit like, hmm, that sounds really good, but I don't know if it's the truth. And so they try to kidnap you with their philosophies and their human traditions to try to distort the simplicity of the gospel. You guys can't make it to heaven on your own and you know that, right? You'll never get there on your own. You need whose righteousness? Jesus. What's his name? Whose righteousness that you need? Jesus. Right. Yes, You also need your sins forgiven Amen You know you need your sins forgiven Now whose blood had to be shed for your sins to be given, To be forgiven Jesus What's his name Jesus. Jesus He's the one that shed his blood to wipe away your sins Right Okay we know that And then he dies for your sins Right We know that Because the wrath of God was upon you Do you know that Unless Jesus dies for you The wrath of God is upon you you're an enemy of God. But when Jesus comes out of the tomb, what happens? When Jesus is resurrected, what happens? Someone say God has been propitiated. Someone say that. God has been propitiated. Say it again. Says God has, been God has been propitiated. You see what they're learning over here at the church? That means God's been propitiated. The wrath of God's been removed off the people of God. And he placed it on his son. He was satisfied that his son would pay our sin debt and go through Incredible pain and suffering for us. And so, his righteousness is imputed. We are born again believers. They both send the Holy Spirit. We become regenerate. These wicked hearts of ours. These wicked hearts of ours. Right here, these hearts that we have are made new. It's an old heart. And God puts a new heart to follow after his commands. And we no longer have to think about... The way we used to be, we don't want to live in the past, we want to go forward with the things of God. We have a new heart to follow after the things of God. So we have been saved. We have been saved. It's very simple when you tell somebody that you have to explain the bad news before you explain the good news. And so our teachers, Rob Reborn, Eric, and BoCab have been teaching evangelism 101 about how you make this conversation great ways to have conversations with people about God and so it's very vital that you remember the simplicity of the gospel but so many churches try to make it difficult and hard you have to do this you have to do that you have to add this you have to add that and none of it is biblical like I explained last week let's continue in the text and it says this Verse it again. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, and empty deceit, according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world. What are the elemental spirits of the world? What is that? That is basically the way the world thinks. We don't want to think like the world anymore, and their basic ways of thinking and their ways of trying to get people to come to God. Because a lot of religions teach that you can you can find your way to God on your own. That that. That there's this this buffet table of religions. Well, just pick one and find your way to God. But as we sing here today, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. There is no other Savior of the world. It's only through Jesus, and that's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus saves lives. Jesus saves souls, and he makes us right between God and us. He is our mediator. He is our advocate. It's Jesus. There is no other way. The Muslims have it wrong, the Hebrew Israelites have it wrong, the Jehovah Witnesses have it wrong, the Mormons have it wrong, even some churches that preach Jesus even have it wrong. You tell people the truth, you read the Bible, and then you go and study it. You go see if we are teaching the truth. You study it for yourself, and then you will understand that you have been planted in the soil of Christian truth. Let's continue in the text. And this is big because the Jehovah Witnesses don't believe that Jesus was God. They don't believe that. They said no one has seen God at any time. And Jesus certainly wasn't God. That is their belief. But here's this scripture. Someone say verse 9. Verse nine. It says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Deity is the power, power of God. He's the son of God and he dwells bodily. It was a he was in a body. He had a body. He had flesh. He was man. He was fully God and fully man. That's our teaching. This is the teaching of the Bible. When other religions say no one has seen God, that Jesus was not God, then you can say that's blasphemy. Jesus was fully man. Jesus was fully God. That's why we can study the Bible together and there are things that Jesus said as if he didn't know. That they were gonna to come to pass as if he said, No man knows the hour or the time when when the Lord will return, except God. There's been things that God that Jesus has said as if he did not know, but that was he was speaking from the human side of him and the position where he was. But Jesus is all knowing, Jesus is all powerful, Jesus is all that. He is and he was God in a body. And he's still God in that body with the marks on his hands and his feet and the piercing on his rib. He is still God in the flesh and he has a body. That's the power of the resurrection. This is our hope. This is why we are unafraid to face adversity. And as we continue to teach, the reasons why this church was so well established. Then it says here in verse 10, it says, and you have been what? Filled. You have been filled in him. You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. He is the head of all rule and authority. Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. He's he's my pastor. He's the chief shepherd. He has rule over everything in my life. Does he have rule over everything in your life? He should. He should. The Lordship of Christ is very important. It should be Jesus, should be number one in your life. As we talk in the book of Colossians, in the first chapter, He is not only prominent, but He is preeminent, meaning He has to be number one in your life. Is He number one in your life? I pray that He is number one, but on the reality, He probably is number three. And He can't be number three. He's got to be number one. Because if He's number one, then you'll watch what you say when you talk out of your mouth. You'll watch what you're saying if he's number one in your life. Let him be number one in your life. He needs to be number one. When you go out there and evangelize with us, he better be number one. He's got to be number one. And so you have the benefits of your life because if he is number one, your life is going to show that he is number one. You have a new life. You won't do what you did before. You are stronger in Him. You're killing sin every day. You understand you are rooted in Christ, that your names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. You are rooted in Him. You belong to Him. He saved you. He's redeemed you. He's justified you. And now you're going through the sanctification process. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Let's go to the application so you can understand this part. Application. And then we're going to come together as a family and we're gonna take communion together the application point number one says walk in Christ do not be swayed to walk in worldly things I think all of you know what those worldly things are and I think all of you know that those worldly things are very powerful they're very powerful it's what causes our young people to do things that they should not do because they've been swayed and because mom and dad are being swayed it's easy for the kids to be swayed as well. Walk in Christ and do not be swayed to walk in worldly ways. There's your scripture. Number two, shout it baby, shout it. Number two, it says be rooted and built up in Him. Be rooted, you should be excited that you are rooted in Him. Built up in Him. Who is Him? Jesus. He's the rock of our faith and He's the rock of the Christian teaching that we have. The rock of the Christian teaching that comes straight from the Bible. And there's your scripture. Then it says this, Never allow false teaching from smooth talkers to influence your theology or your walk in Christ. YouTube, the Internet, Instagram are filled with preachers who look good. They are prosperous. They have money. They look good up there and they talk really well. And they're smooth talkers giving them another gospel which is not the gospel that saves. And they're all over YouTube. They're all over the Internet. And if you want to know one, And if you want to find out if you've been listening all you have to do is come talk to me, I'll tell you right away if they're heretics or not. Some people are heretics and some people are just an error. They make mistakes, but there are some people that are really solid that you could listen to. Besides listening to our podcast, you should be able to read books and listen to sermons from other pastors that we know are well qualified to benefit your life in addition to what's happening here. But there are a lot of smooth talkers out there smooth talkers out there and there are a lot of them in the valley and there are a lot of them all over America and this gospel that is being preached in America this distorted, twisted gospel that's being taught in America has actually bled its way over the world and is in Africa and is now in Europe and this false teaching that's out there. So we have to be careful because they're smooth talkers. No one's going to come at you with a bunch of gibberish because you ain't going to listen to somebody who doesn't talk really well. You're going to listen to the ones who talk really well. You're not going to listen to the ones that's stepping all over themselves and don't know how to speak. You're not going to listen to them because the devil is a real smooth talker. A smooth talker. Number four, salvation Here's his board. This is the, point, the important part for you here. Salvation is not obtained by anything that we do. That's amazing grace. It's not obtained by anything that you've done. But by what Jesus has done for us. That's the doctrine of soteriology. Jesus has done everything for us. Everything for us. To use a quick little analogy... I love football. Many of you like football. Many of you like boxing. We saw a great fight last night. And it's just like God had just hit you with a right hand and you couldn't do nothing about it but take it and receive it. And you receive it and not accept it. That's why I have a problem. Was, I accept Christ. No, you receive Christ if you have Christ. That's the doctrine of soteriology. And so today as we close we have six minutes. We're going to have communion together. This is the time for you to reflect about what Christ has done in your life. If you're here today and you don't understand the gospel, we'll give it to you really quick. God sent his son into the world to pay your sin debt, to do something that you could never do for yourself because the moment that you've been born, until until how old you are maybe now, you've accumulated a sin debt so high that you'll never be able to pay it off. The world tells you you can by righteous works. The world will tell you, yes, you can. You certainly can work it off. You certainly can't just give to the poor. Give to the Red Cross. Give water bottles to the homeless. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to know God. Just do, see, God sees everything. He sees you doing great works. Even all of that, and if you did all that, could never, ever pay That's your right. sin debt. You'll still, oh God, everything. And so Jesus comes, lives a perfect life that you cannot live. He abides by the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments of Mosaic Law and doesn't break, not any one of them. He's perfect. He becomes a perfect lamb. Bashaw lamb. He has to go to the cross. He has to be a lamb without spot or blemish because we need a perfect sacrifice to atone for this ugliness. So he goes to the cross and he goes to the cross and pays our sin debt. Dies, is beaten, nailed to the cross, blood is shed. And just like the old sacrificing of animals had to happen, that was nothing a foreshadowing but for us to see that Jesus would be the perfect Lamb for us to go to the cross, die for our sins. Our sins have been paid off. You believe this by faith? Yes. Do you believe it by faith? Yes. All you have to do is receive and believe it by faith. And then Jesus goes to the tomb. And then he's there for three days. He descends into the realm of the dead of Sheol. And he goes there and he proclaims liberty to the captives. And he proclaims victory over his enemy. And unlike false teaching that they'll tell you that Jesus went there to suffer in hell. No, he didn't. He didn't have to suffer in hell. He's God. He paid the sin debt for us when he died and said it's finished on the cross. When he said it's finished, he said it's finished. That was it. There was no more payment he had to pay. God was propitiated. He was satisfied. He removed the wrath of God off you. He placed it on his son. Jesus then, after three days... Comes out of the tomb. He's alive. He resurrects from the dead. That means God is satisfied. He becomes, we become like him one day. We have a glorified body. He resurrects. Then he shows himself to to 500 people walking around for 40 days. And then he ascends in that cloud and walks and goes back to heaven in a body. And he'll come again. And he'll come again. And all you have to do is believe it and receive it. Believe it. Repent and believe. And you become family. You repent of your sins today. You believe this and you believe it by faith. And you repent of your sins. You call out to God in any way you want, in your own way. If you know this, that you need to be rescued, you call out to God on your own. I don't want to have you come up here and say a prayer after me. You can pray to God on your own and call out to God on your own. And then you'll know if your faith is authentic because you've repented and you've turned your life around. That's the gospel in two minutes and so for those of us that understand this gospel we come up here and we partake of the bread which is symbolic of the Christ the body of Christ we, take, we partake of the wine this is the wine over here if you're 21 you should come over here and take some wine or this is the grape juice you come over here and have grape juice but this is the symbolic of Jesus shedding his blood for us we remember the great sacrifice that he made for us we remember it and we hold it sacred and it's something that we do once every month to remember what Christ has done so this is our moment for you to take the next minute and just pray, thank God also, repent from things that you've done before you should come up. But if you don't, need, you don't need to come up, no one needs to walk around. If you don't understand it, then you can just sit down. It's okay. This is between you and God. It's not for us to look around and say, hey, uh, why is this person got up? It's none of your business. You need to come up and, do, and be thankful to God for what he's done in your life. And worry about, worry about the other individual there that's next to you. That's between you and God. And if you know you don't need to come up, you don't need to come up. It's okay. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. So we're going to do that. And we're going to open up the communion tables and begin over here, over here, and then finally over here. But hold it, and we'll take it corporately together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.